0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of First Alliance Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. For more information about our church or to watch a video recording of today's message, visit us online at facws.org. I want you to turn your scriptures to Luke 8 as we continue this theme this morning. And I know this is all different, isn't it? This is wrong. Pastors talked and now he's going to read the Bible and he's going to talk some more. And I'm ready to be lifted up. But did you come to worship or did you come to receive worship? Luke 8. This is right after Jesus had that beautiful picture we talked about last week of him reclining at a table and a woman draped over him, moistening his feet with her tears and cleansing his dirty feet with her own hair. And then it begins with, soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming, bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him and some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's own household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, he fell among the path and was trampled underfoot. The birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on rock, and it grew up and withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. The disciples asked him what his parable meant. He said, to you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but For others, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who heard, and the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root They believe for a while and then in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for those among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches of the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. For that in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. After all, nobody takes a lamp and, and covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those walking in the room are gonna see the light of the lamp. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known when that lamp is lit and it comes to light. Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be like, Jesus is implying, one of those seeds that's on the dry ground, on the rock, amongst the thorns. What he even has, his little faith, will be taken away. Well, then his mother and brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God, and do it, and do it. Let's pray. God, as we begin this morning, we begin in a weird place because of COVID. We begin with a different feeling because we're starting with the word and with preaching and with prayer and not with our usual singing. We begin perhaps coming from times of difficulty in each of our lives. Because we can't see loved ones that we love and miss very dearly. Maybe they are in nursing homes and it's been months since we could encounter them. Or maybe they are across the United States or across the world and we can't be with them to love them and comfort them. Maybe we begin today on the couch at home. Or let's be honest, for some people we begin today at three o'clock in the afternoon as we've just turned on this video. Or we begin today on the bed, just making it to turn on the live stream. Wherever we are, Lord God, would you turn our hearts to you and not to ourselves? Would we receive from you your word that we may give to you our lives in worship? Lord, would we not be so absorbed in thinking that we can solve the problems that we have in our lives, but would rather cry out for your grace, your goodness, Lord, your answers and solutions to these trials that we are facing. Would we find a way to see joy produced in our lives when we face trials of many kinds so that we would not be like the soil which the trials wipe away any measure of belief that we might have, or rather would be that soil that is planted firmly, or the, the seed planted firmly in good soil which brings up a hundredfold crop. God, would you teach us what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ and the family of God today? Amen. We read a lot of scripture there, and I'm not going to exegete every piece to the nth degree, but rather I'm going to touch on a couple of highlights as we proceed, okay? Because I think it's critical that you see that Luke is doing something very intentional right now. You see, in Jesus' day, he was surrounded by a few different kinds of people. He was surrounded by Pharisees. He had just come from one of their homes, and the Pharisees believed all the right things, checked all of the check boxes. they worshipped in the correct manner, but they did not love Jesus. They rejected Jesus, and moreover, they likely did not really love God as much as they aimed to please God by what they did with their lives. He was also surrounded by a great many people who had need and wanted Jesus to do what they wanted him to do, but didn't necessarily understand that he was there to save them or be their king. And Luke draws an important point out to begin this passage. There were women following too, you see. In those days, in the Jewish culture, women were second class. Even wealthy women were not considered of the importance of the first class. And here Jesus has said to the Pharisees that a sinful woman washing his feet with her hair and her tears was of great value and that her sins were forgiven because of her great faith. Then in the next passage, Luke says, women that followed after Jesus provided for every single thing that was needed by him as an itinerant preacher and someone who had absolutely no money. And that these women had been healed from great travails. Not only that, but all four Gospels record that Mary Magdalene was one of the only people to both see Jesus serve him during his life, be there at the crucifixion and then see him again after the resurrection. Do you know that Mary Magdalene is mentioned more than most of the 12 disciples in the Gospels of Jesus Christ as one of his most important followers? Not only that, he goes on to say that think about a sower spreading seed. And you can say you believe. But look at the end of verse 18 be or sorry verse 15 in the good soil those hold it fast and do what they bear fruit they live out what it is that they have heard A light is the next example. So you have the example of women. You have the example of the seed cast on the ground. You have now an example of light. And you know when we hear these things and we read them, we might do one devotional on the women. We might do one devotional on the seed spread on the ground. We might do one devotional on the lamp. We might do one devotional on Jesus talking to his mothers and brothers. But when you read them all in rapid succession as I have, you see that with the women and with the seed and with the lamp, the point in each of those examples is what fidelity faithfulness means serving Jesus who is king it doesn't just mean making sure you've checked the boxes of right belief living a lifestyle of a follower of Jesus so the lamp take care how you hear because the one who has That is, the one who has heard, the one who is living, the one who is letting their light shine will be given more, their faith will be increased, the Holy Spirit will occupy their hearts and they will live a complete Christian life. And the one who has not, the one who has never let their light shine, the one who has taken the truth of Jesus Christ and enshrouded it and not let others see it, will have even that small modicum of faith eradicated and this passage comes to a pinnacle, comes to a climax, as Jesus' own family, the Holy Blessed Virgin Mary, whom we all celebrate at Christmas time, is standing there saying, Jesus, come here. And he says, My mother is here. My brothers and sisters are here. Those that hear the word of God and what? Do it. And do it. Church is not a time and a place where we gather to sing songs and listen to a pastor preach and flap his arms. Church is who we are in Christ and how we live together. That's very different than the messages that we receive both in our current Christian culture and also, frankly, the way that many of us were raised. Right now, today, you can get online and find a thousand better preachers than me. I know this because I listen to them and I go, wow, that's a better preacher than I am. You can find a hundred thousand preachers who dress better than I do. I know this because the one time I wore a suit on Sunday morning, I heard about it for a month. You can find worship teams, and I love Micah and Brian and Derek and, 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 and all those that lead our worship, but you can get online and you can find professional, trained, full-time musicians leading worship that just knock it out of the park from a technical standpoint. They are factually better than anything that we can put together. And you can watch those things, you can celebrate that worship, you can get online, and I listen to sermons from all sorts of preachers online, and I love it, and my heart exults, and I learn so much from the Word. You're not betraying, maybe you need to hear this, you're not betraying Pastor Ben by listening to a better preacher sometimes. You're not. When you turn on the Christian radio and and, and you hear a a preacher that's preaching, uh, you know, I used to, my favorite was R.C. Sproul. I would listen to R.C. Sproul teach. Uh, Love, Ravi Zacharias. I, 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 you know, so many great preachers out there. You're not betraying your pastor by hearing other sermons. I would, I would get online and and watch worship from from elevation worship man they got the lights and the sound and they got the band and and they get kari joe out there like and your children and their children i mean it's just like rocking it out right uh i i'm never gonna do that when i was in harlem and, and and the and the preacher got up and 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 the preacher was also the one of the lead singers and and is like Jesus come by here. I was like, oh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. In fact, praise the Lord. But that's not church. That's not your family. See, Jesus says, my family are these that are with me, my brothers and sisters, and even my own mother who do the will of God the Father as contained in the word of God. That's church. Liken it to you walking down the street and perhaps you're an orphan. And you're somebody that's never had your own family and you see a family with two loving parents and and four or five children walking down the street and they're holding hands and they're loving each other. And instead of seeking that out in your own life with meaningful relationships, you just try to live vicariously through whatever it is that they are doing. You don't have a family. You're just pretending like you have when you're living through someone else's family. We do this with television a lot of times, don't we? Our families can get so dysfunctional, right? And have so many problems that we love to soak in television and see families that are operating you know, normally and try to live through them a little bit and cry with them and, and be happy with them. But that's not your family. This I hope if you're watching online and for those of you that are here, I hope that this is your family. I hope that this is not merely the place that you come to hear a a mediocre pastor preach a sermon and then have our worship team as much as we can gather in COVID as good as they are, leads you in worship, and then you go home because you came for worship. I hope that this is the place where you come to be the family who lives the word and worships in response. Be the family who lives the word and worships in response. What a vastly different understanding. I just want to take a couple of minutes, because I think it's critical, to go back to the parable of the weeds, because it's one of the most complex parables that you find in Scripture, and it raises the most questions, and I think it's very, very critical that we understand it. A crowd gathers. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow his seed. Some fell along the path and were trampled, and the birds ate it. Some fell on the rock, and it grew up and withered because it had no moisture, no water. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. You might hear that and think, wow, there's a bit of a, a... Random chance then to the word of God then isn't there Jesus you could see why his disciples would have been upset would have wanted to know the meaning of this parable because Jesus is saying look the word of God is like the seed that just falls and and uh, my family and I were just recently out west and let me tell you if you're a seed that's falling there's like a 99 percent chance that you're going to fall on a rock or in weeds or on sand and you're going to get choked out in northern Nevada we were driving around there and there was more dirt and more rocks than there were plants as far as the eye could see. Matter of fact, when you fly back into North Carolina, you almost think that you left a post-apocalyptic nuclear like disaster and then you've landed back in the real world because suddenly there's trees and bushes and green and birds. Like by the way, the bird that got into the sanctuary this morning, as we were preparing for the service we had those doors open and the bird flies in and for the next 45 minutes my wonderful wife was chasing it about with a basket <laughs> as as i went down the hallway to prepare my sermon but really i just didn't want anything to do with the bird and uh and then the bird got tired after my wife uh, my wife outlasted the bird and the bird went into a trash can and she was able to cover the trash can, and, and get the bird back outside. But anyway, that wouldn't happen in Nevada because, as far as I could tell, nothing can live out there. Uh, the, the disciples are wondering, is that it? Is it just chance? But Jesus has grace with them, and he says, listen, I'm going to explain this to you. The seed is the word of God. Okay, we knew that part. The ones along the path have heard. The devil comes and takes the word from their hearts. The ones on the rock are those who have heard and receive it, but there's no root. There's nothing lasting. And and for the ones among the thorns, they have heard. But then they're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And there's, there's no fruit, nothing matures. And for those in the good soil, they have heard but they hold fast to it and they bear fruit from it. You see, there's no random chance in terms of who hears the word of God. Jesus does not leave open the possibility that there's any soil, that there's any person that has not, in some measure, heard enough to respond to God. Jesus's story doesn't say, well... Yeah, there's some seed that just disappeared into thin air, and so that soil didn't even have a chance. Rather, it's what we do when we hear which has defined us. And this connects us back to church. Church, are we the people that hear the Word of God, that sing some songs about it, And then as soon as difficulty hits, whether it be COVID-19 or financial troubles or whatever might encounter in our lives, collectively and individually, do we say, that's it, I'm done, Jesus was not good enough for me. Or are we the kind that hears the word of God and because of some root of bitterness that's already in the soil... The devil himself haven't taken a foothold because of some anger that we have with people in this church, because of some conflict that already exists out there, because of some past experience that you've had with church that has not allowed you to really understand the word of God as it is presented to you, but rather it's always poisoned. The devil already has a foothold, and so that seed can't plant anywhere. I'll tell you, we had a a plant uh, that we wanted to plant, and there was this tree. And my wife said, let's put the plant next to that tree. And I said, great, and I started digging. And I dug 75 holes and found 75 roots. Couldn't plant the plant. Well, that's the first seed. The second seed I already mentioned is those of us who hear the word and receive it, but then we walk out and life is difficult and we stop to believe it. The third one is one of the hardest ones. Those that fell among the thorns hear, they go on their way, but then they're choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and so their fruit does not mature. How many people do we know need Jesus when time is bad, but when time is good, you don't see him in church. You don't hear from him anymore. How many pastors have achieved a modicum of fame and wealth and pleasure, and they're done being a pastor? Or maybe they take their church down the wrong road. Well, anyway, I'm I'm dawdling on too long and I need to wrap this up because we have more to talk about. But the fourth seed is the one that we come to today that lines up with the other stories, the other illustrations of a lamp and the faithful women that serve and of Jesus's family. And that illustration is so very clear. Church. God's own body, his family that he has called to himself is not a place, is not a time, and is not a service which we receive like an oil change on a car. Church is a people who follow a word, both a written Word and the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, King of all the universe. And our worship is what we do in response. What we do in response. In other words, another way I could put it is that worship is the outflow of the life of the family of God. So when we live as a family in our own homes, we do certain things that become output. Things that uh, we, we love to do together. Uh, one of my favorites is there's a family in my old church at Cary Alliance that loves, as a family, to write an anniversary card and a birthday card to every single human soul they have ever met in their life. My daughter Alice just got a birthday card from that family this past week. Some families like to sing songs together. Some families like to go shopping together. Some families like to go do activities. The family of God loves to serve together, to live together, to love together, to create joy amongst each other, to support each other when we're down and beaten up by life, and to raise high the name of Jesus together in our prayers, in our singing, in our talk, in our speech with each other. We like to go out into the community and and love people who need to be loved and cry with people who are sad. To pray for healing, for the miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit for people that are sick and dying, not just for our own people, not just our family, but for the world. To do missions and send people far away and to do missions here where there are people that need to know. That's all worship, that's all worship. So when we come together, one of my least favorite words, well, combination of words, is the worship service. We say it, it's on the website, it's it's part of our vernacular as Christians in America. It's rooted in a form of faith where the worship service was something done for you on your behalf, where the priest stands before God and says what he says and does the cup, and and, uh, Jesus is laid before you, and then you can leave because you have received the grace of somebody doing a service on your behalf. I hate that word, service. I'm not doing you a service. I'm not changing your oil. Ryan and, and Micah and Derek and all those that lead worship, they're not, they're not up here checking your tires. They're trying to lead you to the presence of a holy God so that you can tell him how much you love him. You don't get to do it through them. Like if they're up in here worshiping, right, and they're singing their song and, and, uh, and you're not singing with them either in your heart or with your lips or with your mind, then, then you get, there's no like intervention there where you worship vicariously through what somebody else does. There's no sport following, team loving kind of moment. Like my wife always laughs because whenever the Green Bay Packers win a football game, I'll say, yes, we won. And she'll be like, really, you, you played football? today you're in the NFL you won a football game in the National Football League worship doesn't work like that you, you don't get any credit in heaven because your pastor goes out and takes care of people in the community you know you don't get any like like joy in the presence of the Lord just because Brian is feeling it that's not how it works He's here to prod you, and I'm here to prod you. We're here to prod each other to worship, to live the Christ life as the family of God together. How do we put rubber to that? Where does the rubber meet the road when we come to that? Let's draw this together to a conclusion. Number one is that as the family of God, we will try to be a family Meaning that if you are in this church, but you don't know anybody, you're not part of this family. We have a directory. Grab a directory. If you're locked into a nursing home or can't get out of your house or have fears of COVID, we have Facebook, we have Snapchat, we have Instagram, we have cell phones, we have Zoom. We have all these ways that we can communicate. I was able to visit a brother for the first time in six months through the window of his nursing home with two other people. We actually broke the law by cracking open the nursing home window a little bit, because he couldn't hear us. And we really couldn't hear him. And we just talked, and then we prayed with him. Because he's like my uncle, right? He's in the family. Be the family, that's step one. If you're the family of Christ, the body of Christ, be the family, be the body. If you're alone, if you're watching this alone and you haven't talked with a Christian in months, if you have lived through me and what you've seen on stage, you've got to find a way. You've got to find a way, I'm talking to you guys online right now, you have to find a way to be in the family of Christ right now. It's more important than ever. Young people, if you're living vicariously through the internet and hopping from church to church on the basis of what you see on the internet, like I said, that's fine in terms of learning and in terms of experiencing, but it's not fine in terms of being. you got to find a place and a people. Our children's ministry is back on Wednesday nights and our youth ministry is back on Tuesday nights because for that generation, it is... Critical that they know other kids and other youth that love Jesus and can be together and be shaped into the body of Christ from a young age. And yeah, they're wearing masks. The fourth graders do a better job of it than the 10th graders, but that's neither here nor there. But I'm just saying but they're wearing masks and they're distancing and they're being careful and they're playing outside and we're respecting this disease for what it is and being cautious about it, but they're together. Our seniors, some of them gather on Thursday and then we have some that join us over the internet with that group, those that can and are able. We have small groups, they've met in fits and starts, but they've tried. And people have written letters to each other and sent care packages to each other. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, step one is be the family. Step two is be the family who loves the word. If you went to a worship service tomorrow... Well, it's a Monday. Let's say today was Saturday, okay, and tomorrow was Sunday. And you woke up and you went to a worship service. And there was a 200-member choir, and there was a worship team that was just rocking out, okay? We had Samuel Morfield back, and he's playing his solo guitar, and it just sounds amazing. And Brian's just on there on his drums. And and we we had the full worship service going, and the pastor gets up and gives you a good pep talk about how to go be a good Christian. But they didn't read or explain the Word of God. You would not have the family of Christ present you together because without the word there is no family of God it just doesn't exist the word became flesh and dwelt among us Jesus loves the word so much that he took on the name of the word Lagos is the Greek word without this there is no church so we are the family who loves the word and who lives the word. That's the third step. Lives accordingly. What does it mean to live the word? It means to serve, to love, to be. To do the things that we do together as the church, whatever those things might be. It could be that a particular church is called to a particular people. In our case, it's Diamond Ridge. If you can find a way to where you're comfortable to engage in that Diamond Ridge ministry, then do it. Maybe it's loving that next generation. If you're ready to help out with the children's ministry, we have a few people doing it on rotation right now. We could use more on Wednesday nights. Then do it. If you can engage in the youth ministry, maybe you felt called to work with youth, but you've just never told anybody. Maybe you think, oh, they've got all those volunteers. They don't need more. Trust me, the more relationships that young people can have with adults, the better. Let us know. We'll work it out if you're ready to lead other people in discipleship but you've never had the opportunity and you're ashamed to even like crack the door because maybe you're not really ready or you're scared about it or maybe for the first time the holy spirit is tugging on your heart to do something in terms of discipleship ministry let's do it maybe you're not ready for any of that maybe you can just stand at the door and point Sanctuary is that way. We're glad you're here. With like a mask and a face shield and, and, a, and a plastic. We can get from Walmart. We can get one of those big plastic like floor to ceiling shields too. And you could just stand behind with a big smile and point. We'll call that greeting. Whatever it might be. Maybe you're like the women in this passage. You remember the women's service? Go back to the beginning of chapter 8. Go to verse Three, Joanna, Herod's household manager's wife, and Susanna, Mary Magdalene, look at the end of verse three, it says, many others who provided for them out of their means. You see, Jesus does not call you to provide for the kingdom and the family anything which he has not already given you. Maybe for you, you don't feel comfortable leaving the house Maybe you don't feel comfortable working with children or youth or Diamond Ridge or serving as a greeter or doing anything else, but you have sufficient means that you can give over and above your normal 10% tithe or however much you might give to the church. I did some rough math in my head this morning. The church has spent about $3,000 more in technology costs, buying this camera, providing Zoom meetings, and having all the internet services that we've had over what we would have normally spent to do church as normal over the last seven months. So maybe for you, it's just writing a check. Arnie Solvig, we recently gave money toward his car so that he could be around here. He's our missionary in West Africa, and he's home, and his daughter Stephanie serves in our mission site in Georgia, in Vision Atlanta, and she needed a car, so actually what he did, this is a good missionary, is take off of her hands the Honda Civic with like 400 million miles on it that's running on bubblegum and duct tape, And he's going to drive that around for the year that he's home. And then he got his daughter the uh, uh, newer, still used, but newer SUV that she could drive around. And we helped with that as a church. If, If we could collect that money back, if you could write extra towards that, then we can help other people as they have needs down the line. Now is a season for us to consider how to be the family who loves the word and worships in service together. Going back to the first one, we do have an opportunity to be the family that I'm excited to share with you about. I brought my smoker over here. See, that's one of my means. I'm not a worship leader. I didn't get the drum out this morning and stand up here and pretend to be Brian, which you should be very thankful for because I can't keep a beat and sing at the same time. But I can smoke meat. Which you can't do on Sunday morning. You might recall there was one time we had a men's breakfast on a Saturday and we made so much bacon. that You guys smelled bacon in here for like three months. Believe me, for smoking meat it'd be much worse if I did it right out there on Sunday morning. But we're gonna do it on a Saturday. September 5th, we're going to be the family together. I'm going to get up at 7. I'm going to have some coffee. I'm going to be tired. What are dads in the morning? They're tired and cranky and they drink coffee. If you want to experience that with me, I'll be here doing that. And then at 10 o'clock, I'll have a meeting with small group leaders where we pray together for how to be the family of Christ. If you're thinking about leading a small group, let me know and come to that meeting. Or maybe you want to join over Zoom. That's great. And then at noon, calling all the men, let's just get together, guys and be guys. And praise the Lord, and maybe we'll sing some songs together and worship and pray and talk about our lives. That'll be at noon on September 5th. And then around 1.30 when the guys are wrapping up, and, and anybody can come hang out. Pray, pray, like pray that it's a beautiful day. That it's cool and nice and, and no rain and we'll hang out and the kids can come play Gaga Pit or soccer out there or or we'll, we'll find other activities to do that are nice and distant and if you want to pull up a chair, a camp chair, and form a circle and then hang out from 1:30 until the meat is done, we'll we'll just hang out and I think the meat'll be done around six or 6:30 and come be the family together around then and, and eat. But all we're giving you is meat, and y'all aren't going to share anything. It's not a potluck. That's a COVID thing. We know families like to do sharing of dishes, but we can't do that today. So if you bring a giant tray of mac and cheese expecting to potluck it up, you're eating meat and macaroni and cheese that night. So please... Bring a couple of dishes for your family. If you have a large family, some of you have extended family in the church and you want to share, nobody's going to police this thing. But I'm just saying, don't come expecting to have other people's food and don't come just bringing a pie or something because you're just going to eat meat and pie. Okay, so we want to make sure that everybody's well prepared. For some of you, it's like, oh boy, I just brought a pie. Too bad. I guess I'm just eating meat and pie. Oops. Oops. Let's be the family in the word that loves and serves together. And what's one thing that families do? Well, we're going to do it on the fifth. It's the barbecue, but we do it as a church, and that's we eat together. You see, Jesus, when he sat down with his disciples in the upper room, and I encourage you to have this ready, and if you're online, go ahead and make sure you have your your drink and your bread, whatever it might be. Jesus, when he gathered with the disciples in the upper room, and you can go ahead and open the top one, just the clear plastic one. Don't open the second one, which is the juice, because then you'll be managing the juice and the bread. And if anybody needs help or or whatever, we can help you out. That's, That's totally fine. When Jesus was in the upper room, he was having a family moment. The family moment was that He taught His disciples. He prayed with His disciples. And He ate with His disciples. So He was in the Word, and He was worshiping, and He was being the family. As we come to the table this morning, Metaphorically speaking, we didn't take anything from the table, but we still have it as our symbol of unity as the family gathered around the table. We consider in this little wafer that everything that I have said today is a possibility for each of us only because of the death of Jesus on the cross. Without the broken body that this little wafer represents, Jesus would say, this is my body which is broken for you. Without this, there is no family. There is no possibility of unity because our hearts are so broken and driven far from God that we are inclined to hate each other and mistrust each other and not love each other. There is no word because our inclination is to reject the word, not to accept the word. And there is no worship because the heart of man absent the work of God, through the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf, is to run from God, not to serve and worship God. Would you take a moment before I pray And we take this broken body to see in this as a symbol where we have gotten church wrong. Whether as individuals or corporately, where have we failed to be the family of God? Where have we not obeyed and loved the word of God? And where have we failed in our service and worship to God? Just take a few moments to consider that in your life. Maybe it's an addiction to performance. Maybe it's a feeling that I didn't get what I wanted out of the worship service on a given day. Maybe it's a feeling that if I don't come in and hear what I think I need to hear, then I'm done with church. Maybe it's a leadership failure. I, as your pastor, pray every day that I would lead as a family in the word for the worship of Jesus Christ. But I am broken as you are. Maybe it's a failure of practice. You knew the truth, but you did not do it. You did not serve, you did not give, and you did not worship when you knew God wanted you to. Let's just spend a few moments in silence before I pray. God, I thank you that no matter what we might have considered as our failure, I thank you that no matter how bad we think we might be and no matter how much awful we think we have done or how much we have failed to live up to your word as being the family of Christ, the body of Christ, No matter how selfish we may have been in our worship, Lord, you died on the cross to take away these and all our many other sins. Your body was broken that our bodies would not be broken. And in your broken body is the unified body, the possibility of the unified body of Jesus Christ in the church. Because you were broken, we can be one. And so we follow your command as we take and eat in remembrance of you. Let's partake. Well, it wouldn't be a communion without singing some song. And I think you guys know this one. If you want to turn to your hymnals 197. If you're online, I believe you will know this song. But if you can get your hymnals, or in the back of your chair or the chairs in front of you. And would you, would you stand up as we sing? Because I've made you sit for too long before we go to the cup. And then we're going to take the cup standing up together. If you're able. If you're not, you can sit. You might know this song, and I think you can sing it with me a cappella. Do you know that Charles Spurgeon, the most famous preacher in England, his entire church only sang hymns a cappella in unison? no instruments, no parts he just sang the songs and people sang them with him i'm not saying we're going to go there i can't wait for my worship team to come back (laughs) amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. 'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears. Relieved How precious did That grace appear The hour I first Believed Now let's pause there. And we'll continue this song after we consider the cup. And you can remain standing or sit, whichever you prefer. In the cup, when it says it was grace which taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved, is the promise of our fears being relieved because in the shed blood of Jesus goes the punishment that was due for our sin. Where instead of our blood sacrificed because we are sinners is the blood of Jesus covering each and every single one of us. So that when Jesus looks down on you, he does not see your brokenness or your evil. He sees only the shed blood of his son, Jesus, which is pure to him and perfect. This is the freedom that we have in Christ because of the blood that was shed. When we gather, our sins don't drag us down. We don't guilt each other. We don't ruin each other. We're able freely to gather and be the family of Christ because of the forgiveness afforded us through the blood of Christ. This, the blood of Christ shed for you, let us partake together. Let's sing verse three and verse four of amazing grace. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already. has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures, he will my shield and portion be as long as life and do. Lord God, as we go out into the world now, we go out to worship. Not because we came here to receive worship, but because we have received your word and your grace. And as your family, we go to live in worship. Let us be people who worship in everything that we do, every day of our lives. Let us not be people who come with judgment, who come with unrighteous expectation, who come divided and separated and broken in disunity, but Lord, let us be a people who come always to worship as the family in the word. And let us then, when we do so, Lord, receive the power of your Holy Spirit to work in us by your grace. Be our portion and our shield as long as life endures by your grace. In your name we pray, amen. Let us end as a benediction with the familiar Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, above ye heavenly Ghost Praise Father, Son, and Holy God bless you.